name is Lauren Maggio, and I'm reading Scoping Reviews in Medical Education, a Scoping Review, written by Lauren Maggio, Kelsey Larson, Aliki Thomas, Joseph Costello, and Tony Artino. This article was published in Medical Education in December 2020. Introduction. Over the last two decades, the number of knowledge syntheses published in core medical education journals has increased by 2,620%. Among these knowledge syntheses, there has been an even steeper rise in the number of scoping reviews published, with that number increasing by 4,200%. The growth of scoping reviews is prompting discussions among scholars regarding the role of scoping reviews in the field and their potential to influence educational practices policies, and future research. However, despite this growth, the extant research on scoping reviews provides limited information about their nature, including how they are conducted, if they are funded, or why medical educators decide to undertake this knowledge synthesis type in the first place. This lack of direct insight makes it difficult to know where the field stands and may hamper attempts to take evidence-informed steps to improve the conduct, reporting, and utility of scoping reviews in medical education. Scoping reviews are often cast as publications that map the depth and breadth of the literature in a field. Through such synthetic mappings, authors describe the main concepts that underpin a topic and can illuminate gaps in the literature. Scoping reviews are generally driven by broad exploratory research questions and typically incorporate studies that employ a variety of research designs. In their seminal article outlining a model for scoping reviews, Arxie and O'Malley describe a six-step framework for conducting scoping reviews. These steps include the following. Identifying the research question, identifying relevant studies, selecting the studies to be included, charting the data, collating, summarizing, and reporting results, and consultation with stakeholders. Over time, scholars have suggested modifications to the steps. Some of these modifications are captured in the preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analysis extension for scoping reviews, or the PRISMA SCR, the first reporting guideline specific to scoping reviews. Similar to medical education, the number of scoping reviews published in the health science is also on the rise. To characterize these scoping reviews, researchers have recently authored discipline-specific and cross-disciplinary scoping reviews of scoping reviews. Collectively, these scoping reviews have identified methodological shortcomings and a need for improved scoping review reporting. While these studies are valuable, two are now several years old, and the most recent review focused solely on rehabilitation medicine, thus providing limited information on current approaches specific to medical education. What is more, the multidisciplinary nature of medical education research suggests there may be variability in how researchers approach scoping reviews in our field, the topics they choose to review, and their purposes for using a scoping review. These differences warranted further exploration, which we undertook in the present scoping review. As a relatively new field that includes researchers from a variety of backgrounds and research traditions, we believe that medical education scoping reviews are not immune to the methodological and reporting concerns found in other disciplines. Thus, we propose that there is value in specifically examining scoping reviews in medical education 
and assert that in light of their exponential growth rate, the time is now to undertake such an analysis. In doing so, we hope to identify areas for improvement in the conduct and reporting of scoping reviews in medical education, thereby helping to ensure that the, those produced are relevant to and practical for application in the field. We do not aim to revisit the usefulness of scoping reviews or their methodological and epistemological considerations as others have done in previous papers. Rather, in the study reported here, we aim to characterize the extent, range, and nature of scoping reviews published in medical education journals in order to identify areas for improving their conduct and reporting and to highlight future research opportunities. Methods. Guided by the framework presented by Arxen O'Malley, as updated by LeVac, we conducted a scoping review of medical education scoping reviews to examine and characterize the extent, range, and nature of scoping reviews in core medical education journals. Identifying the research question. This scoping review is a component of a larger bibliometric analysis conducted by members of the author team. In the larger analysis, we broadly characterized knowledge syntheses and a core set of medical education journals and observed exponential growth in the number of scoping reviews. This observation prompted three follow-on questions. One, what are the characteristics of the scoping reviews and how can they be improved? Two, what rationales do authors provide for undertaking a scoping review? And three, how do authors report the details of their scoping reviews? Identifying rele relevant studies. In the present study, we identified scoping reviews published during the timeframe of the original study, which was 1999 to 2019, plus those reviews published in the first four months of 2020. On March 26, 2020, Joseph Costello, an information scientist, queried PubMed using a combination of keywords and controlled vocabulary terms. He reran the search on April 27, 2020, to capture any new citations. All retrieved citations in their metadata were managed in Google Sheets. On May 21, 2020, we obtained from Web of Science the number of times each review had been cited. Searches were limited to 14 journals previously identified as core medical education titles, including academic medicine, advances in health sciences education, BMC medical education, Canadian Medical Education Journal, Clinical Teacher, International Journal of Medical Education, Advances in Medical Education and Practice, Journal of Graduate Medical Education, Medical Education, Medical Education Online, Medical Teacher, Perspectives on Medical Education, Teaching and Learning in Medicine, and the Journal of Continuing Education in the Health Professions. In addition to having been previously identified by researchers as a core medical education journals, we selected these titles because they are indexed in the Web of Science. This indexing enabled us to obtain citation data for individual reviews. Additionally, we erred on the side of search strategy accuracy by targeting the curated set of education-focused publications. Thus, we did not search PubMed broadly using keywords, which would have opened our search to all biomedical journals. As such, our search strategy ensured that all retrieved studies were focused on med medical education, especially because the indexing of medical education content is not comprehensive. Lastly, due to the nature of our research questions, our search was restricted only to scoping reviews. We assembled a research team with expertise in knowledge synthesis methodology, information science, and medical education, 
to guide the overall conduct of the review and our interpretation of the results. All team members have conducted previous scoping reviews. Selecting the studies to be included. To select studies for inclusion, we used an iterative approach. Lauren Maggio and Joseph Costello independently reviewed the titles and abstracts of all citations. To facilitate collaboration, they met four times during the process, with the first meeting focused on creating a shared understanding of the criteria, and then in three subsequent meetings, comparing selected citations and discussing any dis discrepancies. Anthony Artino was available to facilitate any coding disagreement. Articles were included if they described the conduct of a scoping review. This initial determination was generally based on the presence of the word scoping or variant thereof in the mention of Arxinomaly and Lovac. However, articles in which authors discussed scoping reviews as a methodological approach, but they did not describe undertaking an actual scoping review were excluded. Charting the data. We created a data extraction tool that included and expanded upon the 22 items from the Prisma SCR checklist. The extraction tool also included, but was not limited to, questions about the review's population, author's rationale for undertaking the review, and the stated research questions or aims. Lauren Maggio and Joseph Costello piloted the data extraction tool by independently reviewing several reviews and then comparing results. The extraction tool was modified based on the pilot and then used to extract data from the remaining full text of articles. Lauren Maggio and Joseph Costello independently extracted data from all included articles and met three times to discuss any discrepancy. Anthony Artino was again available to discuss any coding disagreements and serve as tiebreaker. Collating summarizing reporting results. We calculated descriptive statistics using Google Sheets to describe review characteristics. To describe the author's rationales for undertaking a scoping review and their research questions, we conducted a thematic analysis. To begin, Lauren Maggio and Joseph Costello familiarized themselves with the data through multiple readings. During an initial round of open coding, they independently identified the relevance of the four reasons proposed by Arxin O'Malley for conducting a scoping review and discussed these reasons via conference call. These reasons include, one, to examine the extent, range, and nature of research activity in a given area, two, to determine the value of undertaking a full systematic review, three, to summarize and disseminate research findings, and four, to identify gaps in the existing body of literature. Based on a subsequent whole team call, we decided to use these four reasons as a priori codes while remaining open to additional rationales for preliminary coding. Lauren Maggio and Joseph Costello independently coded all rationales and research questions and then met with a third author, Kelsey Larson. The meeting focused on cross-checking agreement on the overall coding of rationales and research questions and resolving any disagreements through the discussion. Undertaking consultation. We shared our preliminary findings with seven stakeholders to understand if and in what ways our findings resonated with their experience conducting scoping reviews. Stakeholders were authors of scoping reviews, editors of medical education journals, and faculty members in health professions education graduate programs. Stakeholders were asked to review our results and suggest topics for discussion and future research. All seven stakeholders agreed that our findings corresponded with their experiences. Five provided suggestions for interpretations, which we incorporated into our discussion. Results. We included 101 studies. 
on average, 10.1 scoping reviews were published annually, with the most published in 2019. The first scoping review in our sample was published in 2011. Scoping reviews were featured in 13 of the 14 journals with academic medicine, medical education, and BMC medical education publishing the most. Clinical teacher did not publish any scoping reviews during this time period. 38 scoping reviews reported funding that supported the work with nearly half of those funded receiving public funds. All reviews synthesized journal articles with 28.7 also including book chapters, grade literature, dissertations, websites, posters, and conference proceedings. Of those that focused only on journal articles, multiple reviews limited inclusion to original research studies, thereby excluding commentaries, letters, editorials, and review articles. Scoping reviews were authored on average by 5.3 authors per review. A single review featured only one author. Lead authors were based in 16 countries with the majority in Canada, the United States, and Australia. In 23 reviews, authors described their team members' backgrounds and expertise in relation to their scoping review. For example, authors of a scoping review on parenting noted that they had knowledge and experience of parenthood during graduate medical education and information management skills. Doctoral students in health professions education led 10 studies. While not all scoping reviews had available citation data, those that did, 89 of them, were cited on average 6.4 times. 18 articles had not been cited. Of those, 10 were published after 2019. Rationale for scoping reviews. 88 authors described rationales for selecting a scoping review methodology, with most referencing multiple rationales. There were on average 2.6 rationales stated per, per review. The most often stated, stated rationales were, one, to summarize and disseminate research findings, two, to examine the extent, range, and nature of research activities in a given area, and three, to contend with the nature of the study topic or available literature. Research questions and study aims. 98 authors included research questions and or study aims. Authors put forth, on average, 2.4 research questions or aims per review. Similar to their rationales for conducting a scoping review, authors' research questions or aims were attempting to summarize and disseminate research findings, examine the extent, range, and nature of the research activity in a given area, and contend with the nature of the study topic or available literature. Although authors usually provided more rationales for selecting the scoping review methodology than they offered research questions, there was some alignment in our coding of the author's rationales in their research questions or aims. In 11 reviews, the rationales for conducting a scoping review and the research questions were in complete alignment, such that we coded each in the same exact way. In 65 studies, there was overlap such that the research questions indicated a desire to summarize the literature and examine its nature, but the rationale for selecting a scoping review including additional rationales, such as going further to describe the need to deal with heterogeneity of the available literature. For example, in one study, the authors described undertaking a scoping review to identify gaps in the research and clarify key concepts, as well as to clarify definitions of the concepts. 
disaligned with but went beyond their research question, which was to describe the scope of the literature on a topic. Reporting in alignment with the PRISMA SCR. Studies reported items from the PRISMA SCR to varying degrees and none included all of the items. 13 reviews cited following the PRISMA and five the PRISMA SCR. See Table 1, which summarizes the components of the PRISMA SCR present in including scoping reviews. While the PRISMA SCR is quite detailed, we charted additional study details based on Arxinomaly's framework as modified by LEVAC. Most reviews described Arxinomaly's framework, and 32 of the reviews used LEVAC's revisions. Discussion. Scoping reviews are increasingly conducted in medical education and published by almost all of the core journals. Because scoping reviews aim to map the depth and breadth of emerging topics in the field and to help clarify key concepts and definitions in the literature, we believe that they have the potential to play a powerful role in the practice, policy, and research of medical education. Additionally, because so many authors receive public funding for their reviews, and authors dedicate a substantial amount of internal resources, for example, faculty time, research assistant effort, to their conduct, it is critical that authors be good stewards of these resources by rigorously conducting and clearly reporting their work. With this in mind, and to move the field forward, we focus our discussion on areas which we feel are ripe for improvements in the conduct and reporting of scoping reviews. Researchers have highlighted the importance of authors linking their rationale to their research questions. Doing so helps to guide the scoping review's overall conduct, especially to inform the inclusion or exclusion of evidence in data extraction processes. We observed some alignment in authors' rationales in their research questions or aims, but also noted room for improvement. For example, most authors' rationales and research questions map to those described by Arxino O'Malley. However, the VAC criticized these rationales as being applicable broadly to a variety of knowledge synthesis methodologies and not necessarily specific to scoping reviews. Thus, it is possible that this lack of specificity contributed to the suboptimal alignment between the reported rationales and research questions. As such, we encourage medical education researchers to consider whether or not Arxino O'Malley's rationales are really fit for purpose for the field of medical education. Additionally, editors and reviewers might want to ask scope and review authors to specifically describe why they have selected a scoping review methodology and what factors influence their decision to undertake a scoping review. For example, was it the nature of the literature, the intricacies of the topic, the expertise of their research team, and or their personal needs, such as a graduate student familiarizing herself with the topic? More clearly articulating Medical education focus rationales could help scholars and journal reviewers determine if a scoping review is the right knowledge synthesis methodology and help make explicit the unique contribution of this review type for the field. Author teams feature researchers from diverse backgrounds and multiple professions. Most teams included individuals with varied methodological training. This diversity can fundamentally impact the conduct and reporting of a scoping review. The same can be said for relatively homogeneous scoping review teams, whose implicit assumptions and epistemological positions or interpretations may also shape the review. Thus, with less than a quarter of author teams describing and reflecting on their team's characteristics, 
readers have limited opportunity to consider why and how certain decisions made in their review process may have influenced the review's conduct, findings, and reportings. Taking a page from the Qualitative Research Playbook, we encourage authors to include a brief flexibility section in which they report and reflect on the characteristics of their team in relation to the study's design, data collection and analysis, and reporting. This information increases transparency and allows readers to make informed judgments about the conduct of the review, as well as its findings, interpretations, and contributions to the field. The inclusion of external stakeholders in research, including in knowledge syntheses, has been identified as a beneficial component of high-quality, high-impact research. However, only a minority of included reviews described external stakeholders. This finding suggests a missed opportunity to improve the execution and usefulness of medical education scoping reviews. To be fair, guidance on which stakeholders to include and how to include them in scoping reviews has been somewhat unclear. For example, Oxino Mali have only suggested stakeholder inclusion, whereas LAVAC has declared it as essential. On the other hand, stakeholder consultation is absent from the PRISMA SCR guidelines. Despite this lack of clarity, Several scoping review authors appear to be leveraging stakeholders in creative and critical ways. For example, one scoping review, which addressed education to reduce health gaps between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples, integrated Aboriginal stakeholders throughout the entire con conduct of the review. We suspect that this review would have suffered without stakeholder involvement. As we are unaware of any firm guidance on stakeholder inclusion in scoping reviews within medical education, we propose an important step forward would be for the field to come to a consensus on best practice guidelines regarding the role of stakeholders. At the very least, review teams should make explicit why the stakeholders were involved and describe the ways in which the review was strengthened as a result of their input. Doing so could help to ensure scoping reviews are optimized for medical education. Nearly half of the included authors chose to conduct a scoping review because of the nature of their topic or the available literature. Specifically, many of these authors commented on the heterogeneity of the literature and its emerging nature, such that particular study designs, for example, randomized control trials, were unavailable for the review. The ability to include multiple publication types in various materials is often seen as a hallmark of a scoping review. In fact, Arxen O'Malley declared that the whole point of the sco scoping the field is to be as comprehensive as possible. However, despite their stated rationales, multiple authors limited their inclusion criteria to empirical research and explicitly excluded heterogeneous work such as perspective articles, opinion pieces, and innovations. In so doing, authors may have inadvertently or exertantly missed work that is important for understanding an emerging research space. Moreover, six authors highlighted the heterogeneity of the included literature as a limitation. We can only guess as to why some authors made the choice to exclude some heterogeneous work, for example, lack of time, misunderstanding the point of a scoping review, etc. Nonetheless, it does appear there may be some confusing regarding the inclusion of various forms of knowledge and or evidence, a point that has been discussed by Thomas et al. To this end, we propose that inclusion and exclusion criteria, including whether or not to include a variety of publication types of materials, should be driven by the research questions. For example, in this scoping review, we were guided by the research questions aimed at understanding the nature of scoping reviews in medical education. 
Thus, we did not include any other publication types because that approach would not allow us to answer our research questions of interest. Twelve reviews described critical appraisal of the articles they included. This contrasts with our finding that in 14 reviews, authors cited an inability to conduct critical appraisal due to the nature of the scoping review methodology, which they described as a limitation. For example, one author wrote, the nature of a scoping review eliminates any analysis of the quality of the research conducted. So the information supplied concerning the patient's comments regarding the usefulness of a peer coaching approach needs to be interpreted with caution. In some cases, authors pointed to the heterogeneity of the literature as a barrier to critical appraisal. But in others, there was a sense that in a scoping review, critical appraisal is unpermitted. Similar to the inclusion of stakeholders, this appears to be a gray area with limited guidance. To our knowledge, there is no specific rule that appraisal must or cannot be conducted in a scoping review. That said, the Prisma SCR notes that authors should describe critical appraisal of included evidence if critical appraisal is done. Thus, we encourage researchers to consider their specific review and relation to their research questions and the nature of the liter literature included, and to then make an informed decision about incorporating or not critical appraisal. As noted in Table 2, only two scoping reviews were registered and provided links to a submitted protocol. Protocol registration increases transparency in review practices and has been associated with increased review quality. Additionally, protocol registration can help researchers avoid embarking on a review that is already underway. Currently, we are unaware of any medical education journal that requires or encourages protocol registration. This begs the question, is it finally time for the medical education community to have a serious conversation about the pros and cons of protocol registration? This study has several limitations. First, scoping reviews on other health professions education topics may have been missed because we focused only on a core set of medical education journals. For example, it is possible we missed scoping reviews focused on medical education topics, but that were published in clinical journals. Future research might consider expanding the sample of journals to more broadly survey the field. Additionally, because we directed our inclusion-exclusion criteria on author's use of the term scoping in the title or abstract, it is possible that we inadvertently excluded relevant scoping reviews in cases where the authors did not use that specific terminology. This limitation may have implications for earlier scoping reviews in which authors may have been less familiar with the term. Third, to guide our data extraction, we used the Prisma SCR reporting guidelines, which was published in 2018. It is possible that authors publishing prior to 2018 were unaware of the, report, the importance of reporting many of the items in this reporting guideline and thus did not include them, even if those data had been collected. However, PRISMA, which is the basis for the PRISMA SCR, was published in 2009 and contains many of the same items. This suggests that while the PRISMA is not specific to scoping reviews, authors should have had familiarity with most of these items. Lastly, we did not register our scoping review protocol. Although we do not view this as an oversight as a study limitation per se, protocol registration is considered a best practice. Conclusion. Scoping reviews are increasingly conducted in medical education and published by almost all of the core journals examined here. Scoping reviews aim to map the depth and breadth of emerging topics. As such, 
They have the potential to play a critical role in the practice, policy, and research of medical education. Although scoping reviews are not designed to result in action-oriented recommendations per se, the results from the present study suggest that improvements are needed for this role to be fully realized. These findings suggest room for improvement in the conduct and reporting of scoping reviews, including the alignment of research questions with rationales for undertaking a review, the publishing of protocols, and the inclusion of external stakeholders in published works. Thank you very much. Thank you.